0: Welcome to the Watchers Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary, and I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season five, episode one, Buffy vs. Dracula. Woohoo! We're joined this week by Jackie, Yay! Yay. I, who I saw just a few weeks ago, but it feels like forever since you've been on the show.
1: Yes, it, I think it's been a while.
2: It's ha- yeah, yeah. Plus, we've had we've had a lot of we've had a lot of time off and stuff yeah. happening, so.
1: You gotta have the summer vacations.
2: You do. Yeah. And now we're now we're just gonna we're just gonna keep recording. We're not even doing a hiatus since we had.
0: Uh and do I have any announcements? No, I don't have any Buffy related announcements. But let's talk about the strike for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Cause who did a certain actor step in it this week. Oh my god. Um oh. so yeah. So last weekend, there was a bunch of Comic Cons going on, including one in Tampa, which our friend Lex was at. And I'm assuming that's the one Stephen Amell was at, because I know Grant was at Tampa. Mm-hmm. And there's pictures of him and Grant together. So anyway, in a panel, in a public forum, he decides to get up on stage and call the strike reductive and myopic, uninspired. <coughs> Um yeah, he had a lot to say about it. I don't and know he, who
1: this person is. Is he an
0: actor? Green Arrow. He oh, was okay. the actor who played Better. Green Arrow. He's yeah. on heels. But no, thank you. That literally I yeah. love that you were like, I don't know who this guy is. Also
2: he pretty much he pretty much outed himself as being part of the two percent that voted against the strike.
0: Zachary Levi also outed himself as being part of the two percent that voted against the strike because he also at a con this weekend stood up on stage and whined about the fact he wasn't allowed to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's ridiculous. It's
1: just you know, it's doesn't surprise me. These are two actors who you know make consistent living um, under what is Schedule F, which is like the basically the the main actor. It's it's what they pay the principals, so it's <laughs> like you're getting the best salary. You're probably getting. I mean, I would imagine they're getting overscale, um, so they're getting paid nicely and they're getting all the the biggest perks of the contract. And uh, so they, you know, they feel like they're in a position to complain. I the only strike complaint. I could see would be people afraid of losing healthcare. Yeah. So we had. I had. A, a, I have a friend who. I have a lot of friends who are writers. So a, a friend of mine who was a writer was said, you know, I really struggled with this vote, knowing that. I had I will have health care because I had already reached because you have to reach a certain pay in a like a certain period of time in order mm-hmm. to qualify So he was like I had reached that so I knew I had health care during the strike this will cause people to lose their health care
2: yeah and then and, yeah if your concerns if your concerns are like that and and that I can absolutely see and he plus still you're voted yes working. yeah he still
1: voted yes but he was like it's something I had to consider it wasn't just like, Oh, this is myopic and dumb and whatever. I got mine, you know. It, yeah. And I like I grew up, like I
2: grew up in the country and every like every single person in my family were members of some union. Both of my both my mom and my grandmother worked in candy factories and my pop up was a teamster. So I spent pretty much my early childhood, because my mom was a single mother and didn't always have somebody to watch me. So I went to union meetings a lot. And let me tell you, you you find out different parts of your parents when (laughs) when you see them going to a union meeting, because, oh, boy, I definitely got that from my mom, having been having had to go to union meetings at a different at a different job. But these people like Stephen Amell saying that strikes don't do anything and are not like you can tell hurting i can tell you like
1: we're we're not you know we're trying to help clients find money in the couch cushions and like everything is pretty much unless you're an indie because straight uh, sag has granted um yeah they don't like to use the term waivers but it essentially is a way yeah, they, for, yeah. they've, they've granted waivers to the independent permission. You, they, we gave you permission that you can do it.
0: Yeah. I think, just, I think the term they're using is like special compensation. Or they're special using the term interim
1: agreement, but prior to that actual agreement, prior to them actually writing the agreement and putting it out, they were calling it waivers. Yeah. So like when, when we called and we said, what happens to our indie producers? You know, people who have who have like scrounged together money from different independent sources. And there were set to shoot like what ha- we were like, what happens to those people? You know, this is, that is essentially killing your project. And so they would, they were telling people in the industry, we can't publicly say this, but we're granting waivers, you know, and it was because they didn't have a term for it yet. You know, mm-hmm. they hadn't come together and said anything. So the the whole semantics around it is just stupid. It's like, why are we debating the semantics of it when, when the situation is what it is, it is what it is. They're granting um, permission to independent producers to shoot and then some uh, animated projects. And I think soaps, you know, yeah, there, are a couple, yeah. there are a couple of things that are exempt, but it's, it, it is causing maximum hurt. Yeah. That.
2: Yeah. And the, the worst, the worst part is that it's not the people at the top. That are the ones hurting the most. I mean, you have Zaslav came out last week and was like, "Oh well, this these strikes saved us a hundred million dollars." Like, how fucking out of touch do you also? Have I just to hate. I know.
1: I have. You were trying to kill Turner Classic Movies, and you changed the name of HBO to Max. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. We, uh, it's um, it's just uh, yeah. He, they. You know, the they were using this, they're trying to put forth like a, um, they're trying to put forth like a positive, like a positive, I'm using finger quotes here. Yeah. Be, <laughs> like a positive spin on things where they're like, oh, we did cost cutting because, you know, we're not paying anybody. And it's like, okay. Yeah. But you're also not going to get money coming in if you're not making any product Mm -hmm. so like you might be cost cutting for now but then what happens when you go down the line and don't have any product to put out Mm -hmm. yeah we i mean because there's
2: there's there's a whole great slate of movies and tv that's that's coming out right now but it's gonna
1: run out oh yeah i mean there we were we were debating like at what point do they run out of material and they can't shoot stuff because they don't have actors, you Mm -hmm. know? So at what point do you just cry uncle because you have no more material to put out there? And the other thing that's weird is like you have some stuff was already in the can, right? So Mm -hmm. they had some stuff that was already completed and they're releasing it. But then what happens where on a TV show, for example, where you have scripts well they can't even shoot so i mean we were the, i mean now that they have the actors striking they can't even shoot but the, before yeah. the actors were striking it was like you can't have normally you would have a writer come to set and and say oh you know that line doesn't work let's rework it you mm-hmm. can't even do that and even know? even like i know with
2: uh, the new deadpool movie again before the actors went out Ryan Reynolds basically writes dialogue on for Deadpool on the site. Like he does so much ad-libbing that even the ad-libbing counts as part of the script because he's part of the process. So it's it just gets to the point where they're gonna have to they're gonna have to fold. And then you have all these people who and this is why we love you Jackie too because like you're in you're in Hollywood, you know like, you know, a lot of details, but you have all these people who have absolutely no idea like, everybody assumes that writers and actors in Hollywood are all Matt Damon level and they're right. all Brad Pitt level. They're right. all like high level making all these millions of dollars, but they
1: completely forget about the little guys. The- There's a lot. See, we have a lot of people that... um you know, live in apartments. They have, like, the the thing with writer salaries is they've become so stagnant over the years. Like, back in the day, you know, you could make, you could make, like, a 21-episode series and then live a very nice life because you were writing continuously throughout Mm -hmm. the year. Like, you didn't have to have these, with these short series, you have to have several jobs, right? And then, um... So you were, you would write continuously throughout the year, and then you would have good residuals because it was on television. Yeah, and the 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 and that's um, another thing, residuals are bad. So and that's
2: another thing that people don't understand is that is the residuals is that you are you sign a contract to get an extra check when this airs
1: on TV, and they like you said, it used to be that they could exist they, off yeah, of yeah, they could live a, they could live a nice life, but now you have people you know, struggling between jobs and struggling to pay rent. And how, like, how are you going to continue having film and TV shows if you can't have people like live here and collaborate and make films because you're not paying them a living wage. Um, And and one of the grossest things to me was seeing like there was, I can't remember where the, where the article was, maybe it was like deadline or something like that, where you had the executives basically saying, we want people to lose their apartment, their home. It's like, That's easy for you to say sitting in a mansion telling people who are already struggling that you want them to become homeless. Yeah. And
2: that's what like that's what gets me the most about these people that are like and pretty much it's anybody who kisses the ass of the super wealthy is that these aren't the people that are struggling. And they're these studios and these executives make their money off of the little people. Yeah. They, yeah. And and that's what they're going to realize again when when the backlog that they have that everything that's already coming out it's going to dry up and then they're not going to make money. I mean, you and, think Zaslav could make Sopranos like the <laughs> you know, writer did that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the Sopranos. There's and like yes, and especially like again coming back to Zaslov, HBO was one of the best studios for television yeah they have so many great tv shows Mm -hmm. and then you get somebody like zasloff who comes in who is from discovery who his deal was always was mostly reality tv now he's going to come in to a one of the best studios
1: yeah you you're you're trying to tell a a prestige brand of some of the best emmy award-winning television that you know the reality TV portion is more important. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I know. Anyway,
2: we're here to talk about Buffy, which I again mean, segs, segs into what we've kind of been going back and forth with the past couple of days because everything was so confusing.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Well, the, well, the are writers right are here.
1: the the writers are set to t- we're set to talk with the AMPTP on Friday, so you know we'll see. We may, we may
0: know something soon. Oh, yeah. All right, let's let's talk about Dracula. Yes. Ooh. So Buffy vs. Dracula aired September twenty sixth, two thousand, and its synopsis is. In the season five opener, Dracula casts his dark shadow over Sunnydale and Buffy's relationship with Riley when the count interrupts her patrol and displays more power than the usual vampire. Buffy orders her cohorts to stay away from him until they can do more research, but Riley is annoyed when the Slayer seems starstruck by the famous count and goes searching for information on his own, leaving Dracula free to ensnare Xander. When isn't Riley annoyed? There's a lot of shut up, Riley. In this episode, There's,
2: yeah. yeah, I
1: kind of get it. Like, I get it in the sense that when you look at Dracula as like, oh, he's he's like a big, like historically popular bad villain. I I see Riley's point of view in the sense of I'm scared for Buffy going up against this this guy who's like supposed to be unbeatable. Which yeah, it, which segues into my rant this whole episode (laughs) why is this a one episode story
0: oh no no trust me i have thoughts on this (laughs) it drove
1: me so freaking crazy when at the end of the episode and i first saw this or i was like i'm sorry we're not gonna get more dracula like I wanted this to be a whole story arc because it's freaking Dracula and because they had such a cool chemistry going on because they had already worked together before. Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. Do we
2: have any foreign titles or is everything? We do. We actually do. Um, I'm going to say that Italy came through for us. Of course. Again this week with Il Morso Dem. Il morso del vampiro, which is the vampire's bite. Oh, I
1: like that. Yeah, and Japanese was
2: Japanese was just Dracula. Oh,
1: Oh, but everything else, Buffy versus Dracula. Everything
2: else was Buffy versus Dracula. But yeah, Italy came through with the vampire's bite.
1: I like that. That's again,
2: like Italy. A lot of Italy's really good titles make me feel like they're old black and white Italian horror movies. Like it just they're like a lot of atmosphere.
0: Mm -hmm. So we go right in, Buffy in bed with Riley, but unable to sleep. She tosses and turns a bit, switching positions, until finally she just gives up. She gets out of bed, gets dressed, and goes on a hunt, staking a vampire in the cemetery. Feeling a bit better post-kill, she returns to bed and is now able to relax and cuddle up. That's a little concerning. (laughs) Credits. Still awesome. And since it's a new season, our credits have changed a bit. Um, A lot of scenes from Restless were added. As well as some from this upcoming season, we also see the inclusion of Emma Caulfield Yay. as one of the regulars.
2: She's a lot of fun in this episode. She she's is so
1: I. I mean, I love it when she gets to work at the magic box and they're and they're involving her more mm-hmm. because she's just perfect comedic gold.
2: Oh yeah, and and because like the like yeah, she's comedic gold, and her her timing is just very even. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a intentional laugh out loud right type of comedy right a lot of it is just awkward because of her being a demon living in the human world and not having any filter and learning to humans like she's just yeah she's 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 great comedy l- relief and she's also like and also like for her to her character to be dating somebody who is also comic relief yeah It's a fun duo. It Mm -hmm. is, it is. It leads to so many good moments between them.
0: After the credits, it's off to the beach where Buffy and Riley are throwing a football around while Willow and Anya read. Tara does something with tarot cards and Xander works to get a grill working. According to Xander, just watching Buffy and Riley tires him out. Relaxing should involve relaxing. Same, Xander. Not all the running and splashing. Anya agrees as physical activity (sighs) leads to sweatiness which Tara then tells us leads to stinkiness. (laughs) Better to just stay put. Willow thinks she may have figured out why they're the sidekicks.
2: (laughs) I like this. I do like this moment of self-awareness
0: from Willow. Buffy and Riley rejoin the group as Buffy slayed the football, wanting to know where the burgers are. Xander is still struggling, and through that has realized he lacks the culinary skills of a caveman.
1: I'm sorry, but... (laughs) Unless the beach is very windy, how are you not able to start a fire? I don't it's know. Don't you have one of those? Like, you know what I'm talking about? One of those like sticks we you we have?
2: I don't know if we had those back in the early 2000s. Or even a very large
0: match. Yeah, I was going to say, even if we did it, it's even easier. You just light the match and drop it in.
2: Yeah. It is, again, I will repeat, it's Xander.
0: And also we have to let Willow show off. We'll just assume
2: the beach was very windy.
0: Yeah. It was probably very windy. Yeah.
2: For for Xander's sake, it was very windy. (laughs) For Xander's
0: sake. No biggie. Willow's got it. She uses a spell to ignite the grill, scaring Xander and impressing the hell out of everyone else. She says it's no big deal. She just needed to balance the elements that when one's affected, the others don't. As she's speaking, the sky above grows dark and a sudden rainstorm overtakes the beach. As the group gathers their things and runs, Willow swears it wasn't her. (laughs) Later that night, we go not to the creepy mansion on the outskirts of town, (laughs) but a creepy castle on the outskirts of town. Since when does Sunnydale have... No,
1: they do mention in this episode that it seemed like the castle just
0: showed up. So
1: I feel like... mean,
0: Riley says that, like, he's never noticed it.
1: I'm... In my head canon, I feel (laughs) like... The magic of Dracula caused the the castle to show up.
2: Yeah, because it had okay. you had the rain, you have the rain appearing, and the sudden creepy castle. And again, it's Sunnydale. It's the Hellmouth. That's true. It the is Hellmouth. Hell mouth. The Hellmouth provides.
1: The <laughs> Hellmouth provides. Here, have a castle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: see, I would see. Give me a castle, Hellmouth. It's still pouring as a truck pulls up to the front of said castle. Two men getting out to unload a wooden crate full of dirt. That's what it <laughs> appears to be. As when the crate is dropped, a bit of dirt comes pouring out the side. However, when they go to turn the crate, a hand shoots out from the inside, killing one of the delivery men. The whole box then breaks apart as we go to Giles's place. I
2: feel so bad for those poor delivery men. They were just I trying, know, to, do just their trying their to do their job. They
1: were just trying to do their job. Then they get murdered by Dracula. Oh, that's oh, that's so sick. much of that. People are just like, I'm just trying to be a security guard. I'm just trying to work at the museum. And then I think about these like the
2: families of these poor guys. Like, my my husband was like, like, how do you like these poor, these poor families now are without dads? Right. And their children are going to starve. somebody has
1: really got to think about what's happening at the town hall in sunnydale like do people go to town hall meetings and say look there have been been too many mysterious deaths we don't understand why our libraries and museums and malls have such high murder rates what about what happened to sunnydale high
2: (laughs) yeah but yes why was our school imploded we lost we lost many of our children the the something happened with the mayor. Like who is now the mayor of the of Sunnydale? I
0: right? who's running Sunnydale, Joe. Joe? Joe. Joe's running Sunnydale. This was
2: all his plan all along. Joe's probably a
0: really good mayor, too. Yes.
1: I'm sure he is. Because he knows lots of stuff.
2: And I hope I hope Joe is also taking good care of these families whose husbands are being murdered just for Any trying case. to do their jobs.
1: Right. I I just want a side story on the
0: Sunnydale town hall. Where yeah, people you know,
1: are like what the fuck? Why are people dying at yeah. their everyday job? You know how you know how they do the
0: Parks and Rec style show with the Sunnydale. Yes, 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 a
2: comedy. Yes, yes, just a workplace a workplace comedy. Because I've always said, like, I want, I always wanted, like. An office style workplace comedy on the Death Star. Yes, yes. Oh, it'll be like that Saturday
1: Night Live episode where yeah, he's undercover, yeah, undercover boss. boss.
0: Yeah, yeah. You so we would, so, would have to have Mr. Stevens from Catering. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I always so I love
2: I love always thinking about like again like taking something that's a serious thing and taking side characters and doing like a little because oh because they also do like there's also anthology series for, like, for Star Wars, like, minor characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they always say the tales from Jabba's Palace they do from a different Mm -hmm. point of view. So you have, like, just...
0: No, I'm sorry. From a certain point of view is not fun side stories. Well
1: sometimes they they're are. backstories though on some of the no, random characters
0: are, i mean they are they're different character stories but one of them is like breya organa's thoughts as Alderon is imploding well yes yes like they're not happy little side stories Well, i said they were fun
2: little side stories i didn't say they were always happy some of them <laughs> are fun though yeah some of Them because like the next one the next one coming up is going to have uh Dex from Dex's Diner in
0: oh Dex,
2: so he's gonna have his like a little extra story.
0: My favorite thing is like, do you see this? This wasn't a movie. This is not a nineteen ninety one PC. Game. We, <laughs> this we is a movie. The last
2: time, the last time, like, the one time Mary was over and we were doing a a Star Wars marathon, we were just like. Yelling about how kids these days don't understand that they haven't so good because we had a space diner. Yeah, we did. We
0: had. I mean, I would have diner. eaten in that space diner. I would have loved. Like, I would have yeah. loved
2: the space diner, but like nothing that you complain about compares to the fact that we got a space
1: diner. We, you know, uh, sorry to get so sidetracked, but like uh, it's what we. Aldo do. was showing me because I play more simplistic games because I'm not very good at at the punching and the kicking. Uh, games <laughs> I'm more of an animal crossing kind of <laughs> kind of girl. <laughs> uh, but Aldo was showing me some previews for for the new for some new Star Wars games and I was like, man, I wish I had this as a kid because this is so... Cool and world yeah. expanding and exciting to look at, and then I and then I always say what I always say. I want them to have a really really easy mode that I can play on. Oh yeah,
2: they do. Like they do. Like I I've played the Jedi Fallen Order several several times, and like I play it on the easiest mode possible because i just want to play the story like that's what i
1: need i just want to be involved in the story yeah yeah so like i always like all
2: the games like all the video games i play are pretty much on easy mode for that reason because i like the story i want to get involved i want to progress but i don't want all of my time to be spent dying
0: right right even on easy mode one of the star wars games the one i have i still die like 10 minutes in every time is it are you killing my boy cal no it's the empire one that came out oh okay that one i cannot remember the name of it to save my life there's one there's there's one had like the absolute best commercials because it was the girl and boy who lived next door to each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever game that was, now I have to look it up. Um, that I was like, I just want to write a whole storyline based on the people in this commercial. But this is
1: why, you know, world expanding things, looping it back into Buffy. Yes, for you guys. Um, I you know I was going. I went to the wiki. Oh, Battlefront. Oh, oh Battlefront. okay, yeah, Battle, yeah, Battlefront.
0: I still die like ten minutes. Yeah, in I love. Days. I
2: uh, Owen plays Battlefront two, like the last one that they did, and he was playing as a battle droid and he opened the door and obi-wan kenobi was on the other side and pretty Aww. much just completely cut him in half and he's oh, like oh no owen owen is sitting there he's like well if i had to die at least it was by obi-wan kenobi
1: <laughs>
2: he's like that's fair i yeah, i couldn't fair. stand it yeah like the door opens and it's just obi-wan with his lightsaber and takes him down he's like yep i i accept i accept my fate <laughs>
1: The Uh thing with uh, the Buffy expanded universe is apparently there's like there's so much more Dracula stories in, in the comic books. Yeah, so there
0: is. And we'll talk about that a bit at the end because it very much so his relationship with Xander is expanded on in the comics. And I do want to talk about that.
1: That's why, like, I got, I have to read those because I was so, I'm still to this day so mad this was not a story. Yeah. Like, this Because, yeah, when
2: this, when this happened, when, when he appears, I'm like, yes,
1: this is the big bad for the season. Right. And then, no, it is not. It's glory. Which is not a bad villain, but it's, it's just, you could even have. Um some shows had mid-season arcs. So yeah. like they mm-hmm. they would have um they would build up to something mid-season but then there would be a you know a still a big bad at the end. We you could have even done like a mid-season arc.
0: Yeah. So we go to Giles's place where Willow is helping Giles set up a scanner so that the ancient texts in his collection can be preserved. After all, several of them have no duplicate. Didn't we learn
2: from
1: Didn't scanning we learn the books? Scanning things into the computer. <laughs>
0: Well, we did. We did. And 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 that's part of what makes, I mean, there's a lot about this scene that is sad. Yes. But that is part of what makes this scene so sad is that, you know, Jenny yes. told him that like, you'll soon join the 20th century. And right, it's right. right after Y2K that Giles finally embraces this idea of what she was trying to do. Yeah.
2: Yes. But also we learned. Also we Moloch. Yes, Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: also Moloch. Below gets the importance of it. She does. But now, wouldn't winter be better for archiving? (laughs) Giles tells her she doesn't have to stay. No, no, she'll stay. It's just, he's been Mr. Project Guy all summer. Labeling the amulets, archiving the text. She wants him to know if she draws the line at giant rubber band balls. That's (laughs) the point in which he needs to get a life. She should mention that. <laughs> because that's what he's attempting to do. Get a life. Willow says it might go better if he actually leaves the house. That's when he confesses to Willow that the reason they're doing all this is that he's going back to England. Something he makes her swear not to tell Buffy. What? But he can't. He's Buffy's watcher. Buffy hasn't needed him for quite some time. And that's a good thing. He's proud of her. Okay, but what about the rest of them? (laughs) They still need watching. Yeah, I mean, not wrong. Giles assures her it will be fine, that they'll keep in touch and can always call when they need him. Anytime. Willow then asks when he's going to tell Buffy. Soon. He thinks she'll understand. Yeah, no, 740 in the morning, sitting at my desk. Wednesday. Tears. So many tears. (laughs) At the summer's home. Buffy sits with Joyce at the dining room table finishing up dinner. (laughs) Joyce asks if maybe she wants some dessert. They could take a drive, get some ice cream. Do you really need to drive to the ice cream store in Sunnydale?
1: Yeah, it seems like everything is in walking distance. Yeah, anytime. The bus station, the library, the old school that they burnt (laughs) down. (laughs) All the creepy houses. There's got to be a walking distance to an ice cream store (laughs) somewhere in there. I think, you know what? Everything in Isn't Sunny. There an ice cream store in the downtown section of Sunnydale? Probably. Is in white walking distance.
2: Probably. There is. Yes. There's just bends in time and space because it's the hellmouth. Joyce has a new hellmouth minivan and is trying to test things. It out. And again, like I, I, I constantly go back to Cordelia in the first episode saying we don't have a lot of town
1: yeah except for you do except, except for, you for you do you have all the towns, everything
2: everything you've got a you've got a satellite school for uca yeah, <laughs> you have a whole
1: uc system yeah like that's huge yeah yeah,
2: yeah. and a community and community college and an
1: airport and a zoo and, and a an zoo museum.
0: buffy would love to but she needs to get out on patrol but hey why don't they make a regular day of this when school starts once a week, dinner and ice cream. Joyce would very much like that as the house gets so quiet without Buffy. Giving her mom a quick peck on the cheek, Buffy apologizes and says she really has to go. Yeah, Buffy she never got.
2: visits and had a whole boyfriend that she didn't tell her about. I can't get over that. I can't yeah, get over the what? fact
0: I think, that the entire season, Joyce did not meet Riley.
1: I think, you know, we we kind of allude to the fact that this happens when you're in college. Yeah. Like you go away and you have a whole different life and you're kind of embroiled in... Your college thing—that uh, one I can see past. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking- I, And I, I have said before, like
2: I don't even know when my mom met Kevin when I was in college. I don't even know if
0: so. I'll, I'll forgive her the first half of the season. Yes. But After your body was taken over and your mom was almost kidnapped by the second Slayer, and you promised to be around more, that was not the cue to like introduce mom to the boyfriend.
1: But then didn't didn't the episode? Uh- Because Riley is introduced to her in, what, Restless? Yeah. And wasn't that only a couple episodes earlier with the
0: body snatching? So the time on that gets really wonky, as we discovered when we're doing this. Because you have the body snatching episode. Then you have, like, two episodes. Then you have the episode where she, like, followed Faith to L.A. And Angel came back. So, like, she chilled in, she didn't go after Faith immediately. I'm like, it's, like, for some reason, the Buffy-Angel timeline doesn't line up perfectly at that point. Mm. Like, <laughs> she should have gone after Faith immediately if she was going to go after Faith. Yeah, yeah. we, we like talked about a how... A two- or we- three-week period. And then she goes... And then Angel comes down and there's this unnecessary pitching, mat, pitching match between like Riley and Angel right before they go into the big battle at the like, because you have like Oz's return and like the thing with Jonathan all before she goes to LA because she's sorting out like forgiving Riley during all that point because it's apparently Riley's fault. He was sexually assaulted by Ray, by Faith. And like, and it, the t- the timing of that is very weird. Like, maybe it should have been more boom, 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 but the episodes don't make yeah, it seem yeah, like it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and there might even be things with stuff being shuffled around and... Yeah, no, it's very weird.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's probably... Like, doesn't this... There are crossover episodes with Angel, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so why some feel of like, our... Yeah, so I, I think some of it is probably, you know, you have a whole different writer's room, a whole different show, and you're trying to align your episodes with them as well.
0: Because that's the thing is I think you had to fit in two episodes with Faith in L.A. Mm because there's five by five and then there's Sanctuary. Yeah. So like you had to fit in more Angel episodes. So like you had to keep having stuff happen on Buffy. And that's where it starts to make it feel disjointed. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And also because we're not watching Angel. Angel. Right. Things seem even
0: more confusing.
1: Mm hmm. Oh when you watch Angel they will still be confusing. Oh absolutely. Oh, I can't oh, yeah. wait to
0: talk about Angel because I remember like 2% of that show.
1: They're like there was a certain point where they jumped the shark and then they were just shark jumping shark jumping shark jumping. I'm like, They were riding, riding they were riding the shark.
0: Right. The problem is, In is that sharknado. The show, right. I feel like the show got better when they jumped the shark. Oh, yeah, it did. It definitely did. They just leaned into the fact that like Angel and Spike are an old married couple and just walk around bickering. And oh, yeah, yeah. Once ever. they
2: like once they drop the brooding Angel, like once he got more of a personality with his own show, it was fun. Angel
1: was a lot of fun. Uh, there was an episode where people were puppets I mean, it's like
0: what puppet angel? Yay,
1: puppet
2: angel! <laughs> we will have to when we get to angel. We'll have to. I'm you can't see it because it's an audio medium, but I'm right. holding up my we'll puppet angel. we have to angel. put out pictures of your and puppet look, angel. His nose
0: comes off. <laughs> I love it. His nose comes off. <laughs> yes,
2: this was one of the things that my my husband bought for me when he saw it at the local comic shop because he awesome. loved it.
0: <laughs> you have to have puppet angel. Ah, so Buffy says that slaying is such a drag, but I don't think it is because she is thoroughly enjoying wailing on the vampires she found in the cemetery. He's holding his own, though, giving her a fight. They wail on each other a bit, and as they do so, another being materializes out of smoke watching them. Only after Buffy has staked the vamp and begun to walk away, does he approach. Impressive hunt. Such power. Buffy tells him that it wasn't a hunt. It was just another day in the office. And she's more than willing to put in some overtime. They're not going to fight. They're not. Does he know what a slayer is? Does she? Who is he? He's sorry. He thought she knew. He's Dracula. Get out.
1: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love her reaction
0: to it. I, just, I love that the energy of that line is the uh-huh. same as Mia's shut up <laughs> right. yeah, in the princess diaries. Like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a moment, we cut to Willow and Xander walking back from either the espresso pump or the ice cream place. I wanted it to be the ice cream place because of season two.
1: But apparently Joyce can't walk to. Because
0: yeah, because in season two they like are walking to the cemetery like from the ice cream Mm -hmm. place, but Xander has a mocha, so like I think they went to the espresso pump. But either way, it's a nice little throwback to season two. Only this time, instead of quizzing each other on movie quotes, Willow is asking Xander hypothetical questions about secrets. And say she was to have the secret, (laughs) the secret she promised not to tell anyone else. Interaction. (laughs) Newsflash. Xander tells her everyone already knows. No, it's not about her and Tara. Oh. Well, if she ever did want to tell him any secrets about the two of them, especially naughty secrets, he'd be there for her. She's Teenage not telling boy. him naughty secrets. Or this secret. Okay, so does she want to see if Buffy's hanging around the headstones? Definitely. If they head in that direction, Willow starts again. But if she did have a secret... Back to Buffy. She's questioning Drac. He's the real deal. The big guy. The count. He is. And he's sure this isn't just a fanboy thing. Because <laughs> she's got more than a few vamps who called themselves Lestat. I love <laughs>
1: this line. I love this line.
0: So, okay. So, let, I, we need to talk about this line. Because, this is the part I had to write it in pen because I forgot about it. Um, I want to talk about the Lestat comments so bad. Because we saw in School Hard. Mm-hmm. That, like, Spike mentions the Anne Rice routine with, like, disdain. That, like, "Mm, this is not a thing that, like, vampires really like. But now we have vampires who are calling themselves Lestat.
1: Well, you have to think, you know, just because Spike doesn't like it, and and Spike is, like, a huge big bad, Buffy is kind of alluding
0: to people who just became vampires and are, like... But this is my point, Because the 90s, the 90s was peak vampire culture peak vampire culture. We had the interview movie. We had um, White Wolf with Vampire the Masquerade. We had Aaron Spelling's Kindred the Embraced, which was based on Vampire the Masquerade. Um, Anne Rice was still hosting Sandballs at her home. She was still writing the Vampire Chronicles. Um, I think the Vampire Diary books were written in the 90s. Like... 90s was peak vampire culture so of course you're having all these kids in Sunnydale being turned who are going to identify with these images of vampires because this is what they were surrounded with before they died and I know it is probably not meant to be a commentary on the change of vampire culture due to the real world goth culture of the 90s but it kind of is and I love it (laughs) I just
1: love, I just love Spike's cranky old man-ness. Yeah, because Spike Spike is like pre-Anne Rice. So he's, he, I mean, he lived before Anne Rice. So he's like, this is dumb. And, and, you know, all the new vampires are like, we love Lestat.
0: Yeah. Spike is not a fan of vampire literature in general. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, Uh, with good reason, but we're going to talk about it in a few minutes.
1: With her, so with her interaction with Dracula, we see that he can turn into bats. We see that he can like dissolve. He doesn't have a traditional yeah. girl face. Um, and that again, I wish that had been brought into a season arc mm-hmm. because it's, it, you know, Spike says, oh, he, he has his, Spike calls him basically like theatrical. He, um but and spike is to, willing to
2: talk about being theatrical but, right
1: but it's like why does he why does dracula have these special powers so i know? do have
0: answers for some of that i do is have in the comic books i yes i do See, have answers but i wish for some this would have
1: brought been brought into a season arc i know but the best
0: part is is that even though a lot of it comes from the comic books the reasons can also be traced to the original story mm-hmm. so like Marty did a good job. Yeah. Marty did a good job. <sighs> just, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about like everything. <laughs> <laughs> she knows who he is, just as he would know without a doubt that she was Buffy Summers. He's heard of her, naturally. She is known throughout the world. At this, Buffy seems more than a bit flattered. She ducks her head, giving him a nah before asking, <laughs> Really? That's why he came there, to meet the renowned killer. She prefers Slayer. Killers just sound so naked. More like she paints clowns or something. (laughs) She's a good guy, maybe. But her power is rooted in darkness. She must feel it. For a moment, Buffy pauses, almost as if testing this theory. But after a second or two, she shakes her head. Nope. But you know what she's feeling? Bored. She goes to stake him as he dissolves into mist, reappearing behind her. She tries a second time in the same thing, something Buffy declares to be cheating. As she looks around trying to locate him, Xander and Willow arrive. They no sooner greet her than she is telling them to go. Okay. Xander was going to give her a sip of his double chip mint mocha, but Dracula materializes behind them and Buffy prepares her steak, causing the two of them to turn around. <laughs> Willow gives a small hi as Xander takes in the outfit. Nice cloak. Someone has a case of Dark Prince envy. Dracula has no interest in them. They can leave. Uh, <laughs> no, they're not going to leave. As Xander continues to mock the Count's accent. Where did he get that from? Sesame Street? <laughs> One, two, three, three victims. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, Xander. I love it. That's when Buffy tells him she's 90% certain that's Dracula. What? Really? Xander moves behind Buffy. Sorry, he was just joking. Dracula says this is not the time and that he will see her soon before turning into a bat and taking off. Of course, he does take a moment to terrorize them because why not? Because he's a dramatic bitch. So it's it's Dracula. Like, we gotta talk yes, about this because it's Dracula. Um, so, first off, here, Dracula is played by Rudolf Martin. He is a German actor. And before appearing on Buffy, he was on such shows as All My Children with Sarah. And sliders. He did the 2000 film To Be Dazzled with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley. I loved Bedazzled. I forgot about that. I know. That's a fun movie. And after this, he played Dracula yet again in the made for TV movie Dark Prince The True Story of Dracula. So apparently he just gives off Dracula vibes. He does. He definitely
1: does. You know, I mean, it probably helps that he's got like an Eastern European accent. Yeah. He can lean into Um, the, uh, the, the other thing that I was reading was that TV movie, I guess was, I guess it was about like the origins of Dracula. So it could have been seen as like a precursor to this episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So who is Dracula and how do we quickly summarize the answer to that? So this podcast isn't six hours long. (laughs) Um, For starters, as a character, Dracula has been betrayed by more actors and more visual media adaptions than any other horror character. And he is pretty much the archetype for the vampire in Western culture. First appearing in Bram Stoker's 1897 Gothic novel Dracula, he is said to be based both on the historical figure of Vlad the Impaler and on the actor Sir Henry Irving, for whom Stoker worked at the time. So Vlad the Impaler was a prince of Wallachia, which is part of what we now call Romania, as is Transylvania. Due to his ties to Dracula, along with his more brutal methods of dealing with enemies, pop culture has painted him as a villain. But to the people of Romania, that's not true. He is considered one of the most important leaders the country has ever had, a national hero, which has caused a great deal of discussion. Because the the methods Vlad used, impalements, plundering, boiling people alive, today, those would without a doubt be considered war crimes, (laughs) possibly even genocide. (laughs) But many Romanian artists and historians argue that at the time, a tyrannical rule such as Vlad's was the only real way to keep order. That he was a just ruler who punished criminals and executed traitors in order to strengthen the government. And many stand behind his fight for what at the time was basically Romanian independence. So yeah, it's a a bit complicated.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't like using modern day... Morality. terms and morality. Also, I don't like, and it also goes like a lot of times with like in fantasy media calling things war crimes because, <laughs> you know, we, you don't have the Geneva Convention. You don't have a lot of stuff. So yeah, like like you said, history is a lot more complicated than...
0: Yeah, but some of the characteristics in history of Vlad, mostly surface level stuff. There are a lot of contradictions that make it clear Stoker never did a deep dive. <laughs> made it to the character of Dracula, an undead centuries-old vampire who claims to be a nobleman descended from Attila the Hun. While up until this point, vampires were portrayed as corpse-like and repulsive, Dracula is charming, handsome, he studied the black arts, learned alchemy and magic, and he resides in a castle deep in the Carpathian Mountains. Dracula also has many abilities, which we will see throughout this episode. He can shapeshift, he can hypnotize others, use telepathy. He can communicate with animals. And we can talk a bit more about these things as we go on. So yeah, that is, that is Dracula.
1: That is in a nutshell. That what is about a- Elizabeth Bathory? Do you think
0: Stoker maybe took some ideas from that or from her? I don't think so because we never we never really see the tenets of her story show up in Dracula, even with, with the brides who people also talk about when we get to them. <laughs> Um, and I have some great book recommendations for people who want a more feminist take on the brides. Um, but the funny thing is that Bathory will show up in later novels because Bathory shows, or a countess, shows up in the next generation novels. The third of which is coming out in January. Um, so, but I'm I'm surprised that that Bathory never came into play more because Bathory is one of my favorite vampiric villains. We love a queen
2: who bathes in blood. We do. We do.
0: (laughs) (sighs) At Giles's, Xander recounts what happened in the cemetery. For what I am guessing, it is not the first time. Because as he finishes up saying something about how he's shorter than he thought he would be, Buffy says something about Dracula having heard of her and how she can't believe it. Can they believe it? (laughs) Riley says he couldn't the first 20 times. (laughs) But now (laughs) it's starting to sink in. Just shut up! He's pretty jealous. It's okay. I get it. Buffy apologizes for being Rapido Girl. And Riley says, it's actually not that surprising. She is the slayer. (laughs) Yeah, but the way he said it, was it sexy? Willow bets it was sexy.
1: Okay, here is my other rant. Willow thinks Dracula is sexy. We keep going back to Willow saying things about men being sexy. And we're like, nope, just gay. Just gay.
0: But the, the next line in my notes is, oh, look, is Willow showing potential interest in a man being sexy? Could that be because she is bisexual? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> we will always point out when Willow's bisexuality shows through, Which is
2: often. Yeah. And also the, and, and like, not a bit, and the thing is, it's like, nobody makes a big deal out of it. You don't have right. Tara being like, oh, I, you know, like, nobody makes a big deal out of it. It's just her talking about how a man is sexy.
0: But Tara does have a moment of being like, ah, you thought Dracula was sexy? Being a little jealous herself because she knows her girlfriend's bisexual. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah, that's true. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Wasn't it, like, wasn't it, like, the network at the time or something made made them tell to say that she's a lesbian because... Like, the audience wouldn't understand. And it's like, I, the audience does not have a problem with this.
0: Yeah, they basically told Joss Whedon he had to pick a lane. And so he was like, well, guess she's gay. Fuck you.
1: But
2: still throwing in moments like (laughs) this. Still throwing in tons of bisexuality. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Buffy can't say it wasn't sexy. He of the dark penetrating eyes and little T accent. Xander wonders if he knows Frankenstein. The mention of Frankenstein here is great because one, we had a Frankenstein's creature-esque story last season with Adam. Mm.
1: (laughs) Adam with (laughs) with the floppy drive in his body.
0: (laughs) And two, Angel has met Frankenstein's creature twice.
1: Is this from the comic books or in the... Oh, okay. Once is
0: Angelus and once is Angel. As Angelus, he agreed to partner with the creature only to betray him. But as Angel, he helps the creature find peace, laying each of the pieces of his body to rest properly after he was destroyed. Both these stories, Angel vs. Frankenstein and Angel vs. Frankenstein 2, were part of the IDW Angel series published back in 2009. So Angel's met Frankenstein's creature. Yep, and we've had werewolves and sea monsters and mummies. We're just hitting them all. We just need yep. an opera now. Coming over with drinks, Tara. I, says, I can't
2: believe there's not an opera house in in Sunnydale. <sighs> right next to the ice cream store. <laughs> <laughs> or that the, the 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 mansion
0: could have been a right opera house. Coming over with drinks, Tara says. I thought Dracula was sexy, huh? Wonder why she's slightly bothered by that. Could it be because, as we just said, right, that it's bisexual? Well, this is no, no. He was yeah. Anya agrees. Aside from the whole tall, dark, and handsome thing, totally yeah. Xander wants to know how she would know. Oh, they hung out a few times <laughs> during her demon days. It was totally cool in an evilly sort of way. Xander is now a bit disgruntled and says he was no big whoop. What? Willis says, what about the thing where he turned into a bat? That was very awesome. Giles says he's sorry he missed that. So is Willow. Because the whole time that <laughs> bat was flying around, she was thinking, I wish Giles was here. He'd know <laughs> what I to love, do. I
1: love how Willow is like trying to, to say, Giles, we still need you. I think yes. it's so sweet. Yep.
0: Weren't they all thinking that? Buffy says she was thinking more bat as she <laughs> covers her hair. Why can he turn into a bat? Giles isn't sure exactly. There's a lot of myths surrounding Dracula and Giles suspects the key to defeating him is to separate that myth from fact. Yes, Willow agrees. And what a Giles thing to say. (laughs) To point that out, they surely never would have Willow, I'd
1: be okay. get. Down. <laughs> I love her Aww. She's so terrible at keeping secrets. I know. and shes so she so wants him to feel
0: part of the group.
2: Yeah. like she wants him to know that they do still need that They appreciate him
1: and they need him. yeah.
0: And it looks like Riley agrees because he is definitely giving Willow a strange look like what Buffy suggests they take it slow then with Dracula. He told them he'd meet again, but she'd like to avoid that until she's done some homework. Why? Riley says he may have some good party tricks, but he's still just a vamp. They should load up on stakes and crossbows and go after him now. Xander seconds that notion, but Anya shakes her head. Buffy's right. Dracula is too slick to fall for the normal stuff.
1: I'm sorry. This is historic Dracula. And you guys are like, we should just shoot first and ask questions later. Right? That's not how you defeat a historic vampire.
0: No! So they're waiting, no killing, and she's not just saying that because of his dark penetrating eyes. Jumping up, Buffy tells him, No, no, his eyes were there was no penetration. She promises. <laughs> Giles tells Willow and Tara to find anything they can on the actual legend of Vlad the Impaler on the internet. He'll search the library. Riley says if the initiative was still running, they'd know everything in two seconds. No, they no, he wouldn't. He <laughs> no, no, they, they wouldn't. Would not.
1: No, No, they they wouldn't. wouldn't. They knew basically nothing. They were just doing terrible experiments. They did terrible
2: experiments. They went in and... Oh my God, Riley. Oh,
1: shut the fuck up, Riley. It just baffles me that it's like you've been around Giles now and you still think the initiative knew things? And and also, like,
2: they didn't know about the Slayer. They didn't know... You know, they. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was nothing that had them prepared for anything. No, they did no research. The the only research they did was their shitty experiments. Right.
0: Buffy tells them they may not be as fast, but they get the job done. As she heads for the door, she tells everyone that they will reconvene at Giles's in the morning. So what's her plan? A big old sleep. Her count and counter wiped her out. Ah, well, Riley's a little wired, so maybe he should let her get her sleep? What if he just laid down with her? Maybe then she... Riley stops her. Nothing she is about to say will lead to sleep. (laughs) Fine, she'll see him in the morning with donuts. Heaven, see a little sugar and she is all his Dracula's macula. (laughs) On the main streets of Sunnydale, Xander and Anya are walking back towards what I assume is the basement of sadness... Anya doubts Dracula would remember her. She was so young back then, only 700 or so. But he did say that the sky she cursed was doomed forever. So that was sweet, don't you think? Adorable. As they walk, a wolf watches them from atop the espresso pump. If Xander sees Dracula again, could he mention her name? <laughs> Why doesn't she just go sit atop the crypt, exposing her neck cleavage and wait until he passes by? <laughs> He's not jealous, is he? Jealous? Why would he be jealous? Just because she's panting over the guy. She is not panting. Now stop being silly. Kissing him, she tells him she'll see him tomorrow. She's not coming over. It's white stay. The bleach smell makes her sick. Right. He's guessing Dracula doesn't have a white stay. He's dark colors only. The wolf watches as Anya leaves and Xander, now alone, rounds a corner. As he continues walking, Dracula appears in front of him. Great. Perfect. He tries to keep his composure, telling Dracula that actually, he's not so big. One round of old-fashioned fisticuffs, and he's sure Dracula would fold like an itty-bitty baby. Xander rolls up his sleeves and prepares to fight Dracula, because why not? Mm-hmm. And in typical Xander fashion, as he does so, he rambles, until Dracula commands him to be quiet with a silence, leaving Xander to answer... Yes, Master. Xander does realize that's not right and (laughs) tries to fight it, but Dracula keeps going. Xander will be his emissary, his eyes and ears in the daylight. Serve him well and he will be rewarded, made immortal, a child of darkness, one who feeds on blood. Yes, Xander promises to serve him well and calls him his most excellent spookiness. I think that I would like to be referred to from now on as the most excellent spookiness. You can't
2: just give yourself a nickname. Oh, that's not how
1: nicknames work. <laughs> yeah, people who give themselves a nickname mm, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's
2: it, they' they're usually like guys named Brad
0: <laughs> or other names. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dracula does not like his most excellent screen as he kind of just stares at Xander until Xander decides to stick with master. That is when Dracula tells him that he is strange and off-putting and commands him to go. That's
1: one of my favorite lines in the entire series. I love quoting that you are strange and
0: off-putting. Go now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He turns to do just that, but then remembers he doesn't know how to find Dracula. So he turns back to ask, but Dracula is gone. Brilliant. I love that they
1: add the wolf thing, too, from the book. So,
0: OK, we need we need to talk about this for a second because yes. Xander is filling the Renfield role.
1: Absolutely. Oh, it's so obvious, especially I when you start that movie, the new movie. It is entertaining as
0: hell. It, I did not love it. I liked it. I didn't love it. It was not the movie I thought it was going to be. Um, it's very much just a very gory drug cartel movie with oh. Dracula turning for a random reason, and
2: Renfield it's, it's having really, to go to therapy.
0: Yeah, like I thought it was going to be more about like their relationship through the ages, mm-hmm. and it was not that movie. Oh. But yeah, so Sander's filling the Renfield role now. In the original novel, Renfield is a mental patient, and there is this idea that Dracula can more easily control those with mental issues of some type Um, because it also when you look at Lucy she had like a chronic sleepwalking disorder so like the two people that Dracula really takes control of in the novel had mental issues and so if you take this back to what we talked about in Restless with those dream sequences and what we said about Xander's home life the neglect Mm -hmm. the emotional abuse while Xander's servitude is paid for laughs here, it does talk it does speak to why he was so susceptible to Dracula's control. And like I said earlier, there is a ton more to talk about with Xander and Dracula in the Buffyverse and we'll just talk about that. But I did find it interesting that like they flat out mention when you're like reading about Dracula and stuff that like he could more easily control those who had some sort of mental disorder.
1: This is really random and off topic. But I just want to note that Buffy's outfits in this episode—I just love them because they had for the promo for the season, they had her in those red pants. um, And so she's got—I know she's got the red hot pants and the black sweater, and her Mm -hmm. hair is her hair is fantastic. Oh yeah. yeah. I love her pink
0: pants at the end. Yeah, and and yeah. so
1: the the thing that's interesting is the two people who Dracula is having the most uh, sway over, Buffy and Xander, are both wearing pink in in the episode. Once Dracula has sway over them, mm-hmm. so I thought I thought that was an interesting costume choice too. I but... did
0: make a note later on that her pants match his shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they so they have the two people with the Dracula influence are wearing pink.
0: Riley, it seems, has gone off to Spike's crypt. As he enters, Spike watches him from the shadows, crossbow in hand. Guess they can take the boy out of the initiative, but they can't take the initiative out of the boy. As it's just him, Riley tells Spike he might want to put the crossbow down. Unless he wants one hell of a headache. Spike says he can't be too careful. He's got a bunch of demons after him now. Well, Riley's looking for some information. Might even pay a bit. All right, Spike will play. What can Spike tell him about Dracula? Dracula? Well, for starters, the Ponzi Bogger owes him about 11 pounds. <laughs> Spike knows him, knows him, for they're all rivals. But then he got famous, forgot all about his foes. That's how Riley What <laughs> The Glory Hound has done more harm to vampires than any slayer. His story gets out, and suddenly everyone knows how to kill them. The Mirabit, okay, but he's not just a regular vampire, right? He has special powers. Nothing but showy, romany stuff. What's it to him anyway? He's in town, making his presence known. Drax in Sunnydale! (laughs) Spike is highly amused by that idea. He guesses the old boy needed closure after all. Actually, he's gunning for Buffy. But Riley's trying to find him before he gets another shot at her. Tough talk, cowboy. But they're not going to catch him napping in a crypt. No, the Count has to have his luxury estate. And his bug eaters (laughs) and his special dirt. (laughs) special,
1: dirt. Yeah, I special love dirt yeah we refer like i mean that's the thing in the book but it's just funny when you hear it and it's because it's also it's also funny because the the one
2: mover at the beginning of the episode like when the when the box broke he was like rich rich guys hauling
0: around boxes of dirt right yeah so then he should go check out mansions No, he should go home to his super honey. Have a nice, safe snog. He's out of his depth on this one. So why does Spike consider Drac a rival? And what's the story of the 11 pounds? Well, if the 2006 comic is to be believed, Spike and Drac are rivals because Drusilla, Darla, and Spike all became enemies of Dracula following the massacre at the Calderosh camp. Among those killed was Magda the Romani sorceress who performed the ritual of restoration on Angelus. She was a favorite of Dracula's, taught him all those little parlor tricks. (laughs) He knows. And though he offered it to her many times, she continually refused his gift of immortality. To get revenge, Drac first seduces Darla, then Drew. Spike, he attempts to set on fire, but only after he throws Spike's signed copy of the Dracula novel into the fire, calling it rubbish. (laughs) Spike didn't want the book. Drew did, but he paid money for it. 11 pounds to be exact. Anyway. He seduces the girls and takes them off to be his brides. When he calls them to him later in the evening, he uses his hypno powers on them and hands them two stakes, convincing them the only way to get over losing Angelus is to kill themselves. Before they can, however, a flaming arrow comes through the window. See, Spike attack the village and set them upon the castle, which he tells Drac in a note, along with the fact that he owes him 11 pounds. <laughs> I love it. I mm-hmm. love that the debt is over a book because what a nerd. Right, <laughs> yeah. And also the idea of the Calderash clan being favored by Dracula does line up with the original story as he is said to command the loyalty of certain bands of Romany, that they are the ones who transport his boxes for him and, served at, and serve as an armed convoy. And when Harker tries to seek help in the original novel, they betray him to the count and laugh at his plant. Dracula considers them his people, and so would not take kindly to what the fanged four did. So I really like they like in. I like how yeah, they do explain who taught him all his little nifty nifty right. gifts, and it was the the Romany who cursed Angel. Spike's helped Buffy before, so she has a problem killing him now that he's helpless. Riley, however, does not have that problem. Turning to face him, Spike steps forward. He'd like to see him try. Would he? The two face off for a moment and then Riley turns to leave. As he does so, Spike says he's never going to find him, not before he gets to her. At the Summer's house, Buffy is in bed sleeping when a strange mist seeps into her room through the open window. <laughs> I like how Buffy has posters beneath her windows. Um, So one is a big head Todd and all the monsters. Oh my God, big head Todd and the monsters. <laughs> And one is what looks like a map of the galaxy. So the interesting thing about Big Head Todd and all the monsters is that they are originally from Colorado. And like 90% of their following is from the mountain states and the West Coast. Like they've toured exclusively in those states. And they have a big van they do so in that they have dubbed the Colonel. Hmm. Anyway, Miss seeps in and materializes into, surprise, surprise, Dracula. Buffy awakes and he tells her that she is magnificent. Hmm. She bets he says that to all the girls. No, she's different. Kindred. Kindred. Hardly. She, he tells her to pull her hair back and she does, exposing the scar from when Angel bit her. This isn't usually how she fights. He can't just waltz in here with his music video wind and his (laughs) hypno eyes. Dracula tells her he has searched the world over for her. That he yearns for her. A creature whose darkness rivals his own. He sits beside her, hands caressing neck she has been tasted he was unworthy can't really say that Dracula's wrong here Buffy turns to face him and for a moment the two stare at one another both of them wanting something Dracula says he let her go but the embrace the bite she remembers it Buffy whispers a small no but Dracula tells her not to fight he leans in sinking his fangs into her neck okay so when I was watching this scene it came to me that something we don't talk about enough is the idea of consent mm-hmm. in the vampire genre because almost every vampire from dracula to lestat to Stefan and damon to the anita blake vamps have some sort of hypnosis or compulsion in fact the buffy fam the buffy first vamps are kind of unique in that they don't yeah Like certain vampires like Drusilla can hypnotize people, but it's not that widespread ability. There's no like calling people to them or rolling the victim's mind so that Mm -hmm. the bite seems pleasurable. And, like, because we have this idea of, like, vampires can make their victims feel pleasure during feeding, and we so link vampires to sex and sexuality, it's really odd that we don't talk about consent and, like, the dubious nature that this hypnotic thing leads to. Because Buffy clearly said no. She Mm -hmm. said no, and he bit her. Yep. In this very intimate setting. And it's, like... We don't really talk about like the fact that, that that's kind of a problem.
2: Yeah, I it, I feel like like I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking back to the um the movie the movie version of Dracula with Gary Oldman. Like oh, it really oh, oh. Mm-hmm. it really does like it's not explicit in the way that it deals with it, but you can tell the way it's framed that. Yeah, this is not a good thing that's happening, especially because of all of the collateral damage that happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. No. And you can and like once like one like they don't know. And especially like with Lucy and then with Mina, like they don't know what they're doing.
0: They don't know what they're doing. And like
2: (laughs) and I will say the one thing that I like also about it is that nobody really blames the women no, for what ha- what is happening to them? Like they understand that they are under under Dracula's under control. Dracula's control. So, like yeah. in in some like in some cases, women are blamed for their situation.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but it. <laughs> so the thing that struck me, especially with like her saying no and stuff, is and we will talk about this at length on another episode. Is I've been rereading Guilty Pleasure, mm-hmm. and there's the whole thing in the strip club where like they call you to them and you're basically under hypnosis mm-hmm. and you can't really say no. And then that's in front of a live audience. And I'm just like, that's that's a problem. And it's interesting and we'll talk about it in a in a little bit with like Buffy and Dracula when they have their moment in a little bit. And also like when you become the her- human servant to a vampire so you get closer to them and more intimate with them, the hypnosis no longer works on you. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there's a whole lot of shit you can talk about with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, mm, consent in the vampire genre is very, very dubious.
1: I know, because it was supposed to be like, oh, I'm seducing you.
0: Yeah. You know, but
1: it, it comes off when you're saying you're hypnotizing someone. That's mm-hmm. more than seduction. That's, mm-hmm. like, something they can't consent to.
2: Sedu- seduction gives you the idea that you're able to make a decision. Of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The next morning, Buffy wakes, and while getting dressed, realizes she has two very fresh bite marks. And so dons a jaunty scarf to go to Giles's, where Riley is ready with the donuts. He offers Buffy a jelly, but she turns it down. It's okay, though, because Xander wants it. Very much so. He nibbles on it as he takes a seat.
1: I like that she turns it down because when she holds it, blood, like, basically, like, a red interior oozes from
0: it. And she's like, oh, no. Nope. Can't do this at the moment. Willow informs them they have Dracula factoids, but Xander highly doubts that will be enough to defeat the Dark Master. Vader. Vader. <laughs> Willow says a lot of this they already knew. Turn-offs, wood, fire, crosses, garlic. Turn-ons, nice duds, minions, slow bites that last for days, and Willow is definitely <laughs> lusting over the count. Yes. Like, so much. Yeah. Riley says he also did a bit of research. Dracula likes to live in style, which means they can rule out the usual dumps vampire haunts. Ah, but Xander figures, Dracula is smart enough to know that they know that, so he's probably laying low. Actually, Willow's research backs Riley up. Drac isn't a lay low kind of guy. Giles suggests they check out the nicer places, if Buffy agrees. Buffy? Buffy? What? Oh, (laughs) yeah. They'll check out the swankiest places first. What else did they get? Giles says Willow has most of it, but Willow says it's only because Giles gave her super pointers. (laughs) (laughs) she never would've- Giles tells her to just go ahead. (laughs) Right. So Dracula's modus operandi is different than other vampires. He will kill just to feed, but he'd rather have a connection with his victims. And he has all these mental powers to draw them in. He can read and control minds, appear in dreams- Which makes sense to Willow, because that stare, it was like he looked right through them. (laughs) Didn't she feel it? Knowing everyone is looking at her, especially Riley, Buffy shakes her head. No, she didn't feel anything. See? Xander points. Buffy didn't feel it. He thinks they're all drawing a lot of conclusions about the unholy prince, (laughs) Bader. That one didn't work so well, buddy. No. No. He's trying. He is. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Still, Giles says, though his methods differ, the end result is still the same. He turns whoever into a vampire. Well, that is intimate. Xander speaks up as he watches a spider crawl across Giles' desk. Dracula is gifting these ladies with his blood. And blood, blood is life, according to them. <laughs> The idea that blood is life is something that will be repeated by Spike later in the season and Mm -hmm. is kind of an overarching theme for the season. We'll see later that Dracula's blood unlocks something in Buffy and the fact that Buffy and Dawn share the same summer's blood will be very important come the end of the season. Mm -hmm. He slams his hand down, killing said spider. As he stuffs it in his mouth, Giles warns them to be careful that Dracula tends to form a relationship with his prey. It's not enough for him to take her. She has to want to be taken. She must burn for him. Fiddling with her scarf, Buffy looks very uncomfortable. (laughs) She mutters something about that being very interesting and then heads for the door. She's going to go find him. Riley says she shouldn't go by herself. Dracula is too dangerous. But she says she has it. She leaves and Riley chases after her, following her outside. He catches her arm and tells her to take the scarf she's wearing off. What? No. Riley he knows exactly why she won't do it she is under the thrall of the dark prince (laughs) she is not under the thrall of the dark prince and take off the scarf buffy just goes to shake free of riley's grip this is ridiculous let go of her however in the struggle the scarf comes off revealing the bite marks and oh look This is just about the time everybody else comes outside. (laughs) Why didn't she say anything? Because she didn't want to worry them. Sandra is quick to help. It's nothing, just a scratch. Right, two deep punctury scratches. Buffy's not sure why she tried to hide it. There was just this voice and it told her to cover them up. What did Riley tell them? That's thrall. Oh, shut up, Riley.
1: I get it though. I mean, in the sense that like she had like an interaction with angel and now she's with dracula it's making him feel insecure because he's not like a broody vampire he's not
0: he is, and I mean, this, is this is pretty much the beginning of the end for buffy yeah. and riley what we're seeing here because like he can't handle that she doesn't need him fight wise mm-hmm. and now this thing with dracula and the vampires like he's going to be looking to even the score
1: yeah. For yes, him, it's, it's hard to like parse out how much of it is is him as like super American commando boy who has to be in charge versus like what would meet to me be like a more normal and security in a relationship where you're like, oh, you hung out with your ex boyfriend who came to town like mm-hmm. that, like that would make a person feel uncomfortable versus like Riley just being like, I feel uncomfortable because like, your job is, like, better than my job kind of thing, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Xander acts unconvinced. They're saying Dracula has some sort of creepy mind control powers over her. He's watched too many creature features. As he finishes talking, he begins stalking a fly that is buzzing about, grabbing (laughs) it when it lands on a leaf and stuffing it in his mouth. Buffy says it does seem like he has this control over her, even though a part of her is resisting. It's fine. Riley knows he shouldn't take it personally. After all, with Angel, it would make sense that there would be transference. They're both broody immortals. Oh my god, Riley. <sighs> Standing, Buffy glares at Riley and tells him she is not transferring. A bit calmer, she tells Riley that she's his girl and it's going to stay that way. Okay, but Riley's not letting her near him again. Giles agrees. She should lay low. Let the rest of them handle this. Lay low where? He's already gotten inside once. Xander says she can go to his place. He'll make sure she stays put. Excellent. Buffy will go with Xander. Giles and Riley will start hunting for Dracula. And Willow and Tara will do a protection spell at Buffy's. How did he even get in? Cue Joyce saying he just seems so nice and normal. I love this.
1: I love that Joyce was like hypnotized by him too. And she was like, I just let him in. Yeah. yeah.
0: A little pale. As Willow prepares this ointment and Tara sages the door, Willow tells her a good Sunnydale rule of thumb is to avoid pale men in capes. Joyce assures them she is not normally like this. She doesn't invite strange men over for coffee. But this, well, when they're older, they'll understand. (laughs) It's hard to date and sometimes one feels like just giving up on men altogether. This causes a small secretive smile to pass between Mo (laughs) and Tara. I love that
1: little joke. That's cute. Yeah.
0: So the funny thing is that people point out is like, it doesn't seem like Joyce knows here, but the very next episode it's implied that she does. Yeah. So maybe
1: they may, you know, head can't my head cannon is maybe after this, they, they had like a talk with her because they were all hanging out there.
0: Probably. I just want to say Tara, once again, is looking fantastic. The translucent blouse, black and gold. The choker, the red lip. Loving it. We
1: finally... Yes, they they finally settled on her wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. And they couldn't
0: figure it out before. As the sun sets, Giles and Riley hurry to finish checking out places on their list. And Anya complains about having the Slayer sit. She wants to be out there looking for Dracula. Just because she... Xander, who has been pacing asks her what time it is almost six she stands still going she is the one who's known him who got really good looks at him she should standard gently pushes her into a closet and closes the door <laughs> blocking it with a chair he's supposed to deliver buffy to the master now there's this whole deal where he gets to be immortal <laughs> she cool with that i <laughs> just the way he delivers I that this.
1: i love the unsubtlety of it Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> just like are you cool with this and she's like yeah, yeah whatever Looking over at him, Buffy says, take her to him. As Anya demands to be let out, they depart and head for the creepy castle. (laughs) And this is the part where they were like climbing the stairs. But I was like, hey, her pants match his shirt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They head inside and Xander presents Buffy to Dracula, calling her she who he most desires. And Dracula is looking quite yummy in his red shirt and black vest, standing brutally by the fireplace as all Sunnydale vampires do. Mm Mm-hmm. Xander says now that he's delivered her, the immortality thing happens, right? He'll do the thing and Dracula tells him to leave them. They must not be disturbed. Got it. <laughs> now just the two of them, Dracula stands at one end of this large gothic dining table, looking at Buffy. He knew she'd come. Why? Because she's under his thrall. She pulls out a steak. Well, guess again, pal. He tells her to put down the steak and she does. Realizing that she just did that, she tries to say that wasn't him. She did that. She did that because she wanted to. Yeah, she's not convincing anyone, and so she says maybe she should rethink the thrall thing. Giles and Riley arrive. Riley mentioning that in all this time he's lived in Sunnydale, he has never once seen this castle before. Mm -hmm. They enter and begin looking around, Giles heading down the hall while Riley enters a side room. They're not alone, however, as one of the vampire brides watches from the shadows. Back with Dracula, Buffy tells him to stay away from her. Is she afraid he'll bite her? That's why she came. No, last night, it's not going to happen again. Then stop him. Stake him. Any minute now. Does she know why she can't resist? Because he's famous? Because she doesn't want to. As he's talking, he's moving closer and closer to her. She tells him that her friends, they will not find him. They are alone. Always alone. And there is much he has to teach her about her history, her power. What her body is capable of. She doesn't need to know, but she wants to. She yearns to discover herself. But first, a little taste. She won't let him. He didn't mean for him. Riley continues his exploration, finding a lot of locked doors. But as he passes one such door, it opens and Xander steps out, saying that no one will harm his master. (laughs) His master? Xander remains firm. Riley wants Dracula. He's going to have to go through Xander. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 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 giles is also still exploring and finds the layer of what this episode calls the three sisters but that has some dubious implications so i'm just gonna keep referring to them as vampire brides at first when he falls he is just glad not to be knocked out (laughs) (laughs) but then the three are there and climbing all over him and yeah okay (laughs) To be fair, the original novel also describes them as sisters. I don't think in a blood relation. Yeah. Just like... Yeah, they're vampire
1: sisters.
0: Yeah, there's no indication of that. And then in the novel, you have Lucy and Mina refer to each other as sister a lot. Um, These women are very close. They spent many centuries together. They're never named in the novel. And their relationship to Dracula is never specified. Like... In the novel, they're just kind of there in his castle. There's, like, yeah. no indication they have a relationship with him.
1: Yeah, because then they're... they're yeah. Because when you can have random three women in your, like, house, why not? And also to, like,
2: take care of annoying guests.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, there's been some debate about, like, who they are supposed to represent in the original novel because the way, like, two of them are described, they could be Dracula's daughters. They could just be random women he's turned. They mostly eat infants. Like it's, it's, it's a whole thing, but over time, um, pop culture has come to regard them as his wives. Yeah. Hence the whole brides of Dracula thing. Um, if you are looking for like really good girl powery types of takes on this bride, um, on the brides, I would try the deathless girls by Karen Millwood Hargrave or dowry of blood by S T Gibson, uh, both are in my Amazon Save for Later list, along with some other spooky fall reads. <laughs> Slicing his own wrist open, Dracula offers it to Buffy. If she drinks that, will she? He assures her that he hasn't taken enough for her to change. She must be near death to become one of them, and that will only happen when she pleads for it. Technically, what is happening here? by most vamp standards, is that Drak is attempting to make Buffy his human servant. Yes. yes. Tie their, like, life forces together, and we're going to talk a whole lot more about that when we get to the first uh, Anita Blake book for Book Club this season. Woohoo! But, um, staring at the blood, Buffy says she's not hungry. No, her craving goes deeper than that. And then he says it, the words we heard from Tara last season. You think you know what you are, what's to come. You have no idea. Buffy finally takes his wrist and drinks from it, sees the darkness he wants her to see, the first slayer her nightly hunts, the recent brutality of her kills. Also, like, we've, like, been saying this whole episode, this was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There really should have been more follow-up to this episode, the lore involved, and the fact Buffy drank from Dracula. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, it'll be followed up on in the comments, but uh, in the comics, but like really there should have been more. And and even more when we get to like Buffy's conversation with Giles at the end, like that's a thread we never follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we, we've said it, we've said it
2: throughout our episodes that sometimes there are just, so many missed opportunities and so many threads that they could have gone somewhere with.
0: This act also kind of snaps Buffy out of the thrall, which like I was saying earlier is actually something that happens once a mortal becomes a vampire's human servant. They're no longer susceptible to their hypnosis. She shoves Dracula off declaring that that was kind of (laughs) gross. She's resisting. Looks like he tells her to come to him, but she says it just looks like all the thrall has gone out of their relationship. (laughs) But she wants to thank him for opening up her eyes a little. What is this? Her true nature. Does he want a taste? He lunges for her, but she dodges, which starts a fight between the two of them. They go at it until Dracula tosses Buffy onto a table. Continuing his walk around, Riley finds Giles and the vampire brides. (laughs) Giles is like, (laughs) oh, no, no, Oh no. He uses a cross <laughs> to repel them before helping Giles out of the pit. A pit. Giles isn't that eager to leave as he tries right. to go back for his it, shoe. It reminds
2: me. It reminds me a little bit of the moment in um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they're yeah. in the castle. Like, oh, mm-hmm. can I have just a little bit of peril?
0: It's like he's like, oh no, my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and Riley's <laughs>
2: like, no, no, Mister, yeah, yeah, Mister Giles, it's. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Riley's not about to let that happen, and hurries him away. One of the good, one of the good boy Riley moments. Mm-hmm. Now it's Buffy's turn to lunge, knocking Jack on the ground. Their fight continues. Buffy tempting to stake him, he manages to avoid it, and they continue their fight, taking them over the dining room table. Eventually, Buffy grabs a torch, telling Jack that he really should think about going electric. She slashes at him she slashes at him, but he disappears, starting to materialize near the top of the steps. Using the table, she jumps up, plunging the stake into his chest. How does he like her darkness now? He falls, peering to burst into ash just as Riley and Giles arrive. Is she okay? Chocked full of free will. And Dracula, Euro trashed. <laughs> That's when Xander comes rushing in. Waving a torch about I love this and speech. Yeah. <laughs> demanding to know, where is he? Where is the creature that turned him into a spider eating man bitch? <laughs> Buffy tells him he's gone. And Xander, Xander is sick of this crap. He is tired of being the guy who eats insects and gets the funny syphilis. As of, <laughs> as of this moment, it's over. He has finished being everybody's butt monkey. <laughs> with a nod, Buffy says, Jack, no more butt monkey. <laughs> Friley tells him it could have been worse. He could have been making time with the Jack babes like Giles was. <laughs> Giles insists that he was not making time. He was just about to kill them when Riley came along. Oh, and but He was going to nuzzle them to death? <laughs> I just love that
1: speech from Xander. It's so funny. And it's so true. You know, yeah. they have to always set him up as, as kind of like a foil for funny foil for certain things.
0: The gang appears to leave and Dracula begins to slowly rematerialize. Having not actually been staked, as he becomes solid, Buffy stakes him again. She's seen his movies. She knows he always comes back. (laughs) He appears to explode into Ash once more, but then what's this? He starts to (laughs) once again rematerialize when Buffy reminds him that she is standing right there. (laughs) He gets better of it. The next morning, Buffy goes to see Giles as he has asked her to come by so they can talk. He offers her tea, there are cookies on the table, and it makes Buffy wonder just what she did to earn such treatment. Well, there's something Giles needs to tell her. And there's something Buffy would like to talk to him about. He, of course, lets her go first. And so she does. He hasn't been her watcher for a while. She hasn't been training. And she really hasn't needed to come to him for help, he agrees. But then this whole thing with Dracula... They made her face up to some stuff. Ever since they did that spell where they called upon the first slayer, Buffy's been going out a lot every night, patrolling, hunting. That's what Dracula called it. And he was right. He understood her power better than she does. He saw darkness in it. She needs to know more about where she comes from, the other slayers. Maybe if she can control this thing, she could be stronger. She could be better, but she's scared. She knows it's going to be hard. And she can't do it without Giles. Giles. She needs his help. She needs him to be her watcher again. Aww. No. The expression We love it. The emotions on both their faces. It's just perfect. It yeah.
1: perfect. Buffy needs her watcher.
0: It's dad. She needs her dad. Yeah. But look at her just talking and talking. He had something he wanted to say? No. It was nothing. So again, like, this is a thread that did not pay off on a larger scale. We get Buffy out communicating in the desert, and we hear Spike talk of the Slayers he killed, but this really could have been our chance to dive into Slayer lore to learn more about India, the girl Mm -hmm. who preceded Buffy, and we don't. The Glory storyline takes over, and we don't revisit the whole Slayer thing until Season 7. We don't learn about the origin of the first Slayer until Season 7. Yeah. And, like, it just could have followed through on that a little bit sooner. I oh, know. So we end this episode in the summer's house. Buffy telling her mother she's going out with Riley before stopping in her room to find a girl snooping about. She asks what she's doing there right before Joyce tells her if she's going out to take her sister. What? Mm-hmm. As both girls yell, Mom, mm. we fade to black. The end. Okay, so before we get into anything else, do, do we all remember when this episode first aired? Yeah. See,
1: we already part of the thing was we already for those of us who were on the message boards, we already knew they were adding Michelle Trachtenberg as we already kind of under knew that this was happening. So that so that's that's
0: the thing. So I want to like I wanted I thought that's what I remembered because I See, was like yeah. I want to say there had been rumors and like things swirling about the internet that Michelle was playing a sister or something, but like everybody was like but that's impossible. So Let Let me, let me offer
2: you that perspective because I didn't have the internet. I wasn't on, I mean, I had the internet, but not like I, I couldn't really, I wasn't really on the message boards at this point. Okay. I wasn't really linked into rumors and stuff. So when this episode aired, I remember sitting on my bed and just being like, what? (laughs) What? What? Like insert David Tennant's voice shouting what (laughs) here. And that was basically that was basically how it was. And I just was looking on the the Wikipedia that in Australia, I think it said.
0: Yeah, it was. This "This was 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 the
2: finale. They aired this as the season finale and they had to wait four months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the resolution get answers until after the hyenas.
1: That's so weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was, that was really weird.
1: But yeah, when I remember being on the message boards and, and we kind of knew this was coming. So I wasn't, I wasn't as surprised. And then, you know, looking back as someone now who's in the industry, we see this happen a lot of times with TV shows where the, where the characters are high schoolers, then you have them graduate and they're, the show is trying to bring in a younger audience. So they're thinking, what what can we do to still retain a younger audience as our show is growing up? So I think, you know, the Buffy answer to this was, okay, we'll bring in Dawn. And maybe in their minds, we, we do have some episodes with Dawn with her little friends or whatever. Yeah. I think in their minds, they thought you know, maybe we'll show Dawn's crew and that never pans out. So it ends up just, it ends up not really working for what traditionally in TV to loop in this younger audience does work. It just ends up the odd, the audience grows with Buffy. They don't, I I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't have the statistics to prove this, but most of us who are older audience members just found this kind of to be an annoying plot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, nothing it, to say against Michelle Trackenberg. Like, I think she's no, a wonderful know. actress. Oh, it's no, just I love that, her.
0: Phenomenal actress. I love her. Yeah,
1: it's just that this plot line, it, it ended up being a transparent grab for younger actors rather than, like, really serving yeah. the story, I think. Yeah. I mean, a transparent grab for a younger audience and then rather than serving the story. Yeah. I mean, and then you have, you have some shows like um, uh, Glee... When they went to college, they like split between the school and college. Yeah. Which was a problem. Um, so I don't know. There there's sometimes it's hard like a hard problem to solve, but
0: Yeah, like you just you just want to follow the characters you started with and love. Like like nine oh two one oh just you just grew with the characters you yeah. just followed them through college and into adulthood and you just kept following their drama they didn't try to be like well here's the next class with yeah. like, right at Beverly right High. they wrote about yeah. the new class you know yeah like, um i don't think it will surprise anyone that this episode is written by marty no no, this, this no is, is, there's
1: yeah. lots of mistress of pain things yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah Um, so Marty did confirm that the scene between Buffy and Dracula is meant to infer that Buffy would make a really awesome vampire. Yes. Yeah. It's also Marty who said she wanted this really cool vampire to come into town, like almost like he rode in, like in on some horse, all like romance hero esque, And she kept throwing around the term Dracula, like, well, he should be very Dracula like and all this. And then the creator just turned to her and was like, um, Dracula is in the public domain. Like we can we yeah. can just use Dracula. Dracula, yeah, which is awesome, yeah. So Dracula then becomes kind of a staple in the Buffyverse and an eventual friend of the Scoobies, at least in the comics. And this, a lot of this is actually credited to the fact that it is implied that Dracula truly liked, if not had buried romantic feelings for Xander. There's a whole arc in the comics where he puts Xander under his thrall for a second time simply because he's lonely. And like, they go off for like the better part of a year together and just like hang out. And then when (laughs) he like gives Xander back to the Scoobies... And he gets a new manservant. Like, every time they run into the Scoobies, he makes, like, the new manservant talk about, like, the great life they're having without Xander. (laughs) Because, like, Dracula wants Xander to be jealous. And also, um, there was a slayer Xander was involved with briefly, Renee, before he gets involved with Dawn. And um, when Renee dies, Dracula actually assists Xander in spreading her ashes. So, like, the two of them end up forming, like, an actual real friendship, Mm. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, Drax part of the team. I like that for him. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like they should have brought Dracula back on the show. Like,
2: yeah, it was definitely a disappointment when the end and and even though like, you know, even he like he he faded away in his mist. There was still a part of me in the back of my mind that was like, he's going to pop up again. Yeah, of course he is. He's Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not dead.
1: No. He's going to pop up again. We have that happen a lot of times in Buffy, you know, and I would have thought maybe he would have come back with the first or something.
0: The first is also a very weird and wasted plot line. And we'll just talk about all of that when we get to season seven. Oh, but yeah. Like, we'll, we'll get there. That was another plot line that made absolutely no sense.
1: You know what it was? It was just like they were thinking, what if we just showed you all of the big bads before and like made them into one super big bad? And, you, and so it was servicing nostalgia more than plot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> all right. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. And make sure to join us next time for season five, episode two, Real Me. Until then, check out all our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.